And can I ask a quick question? How many people in this room at this moment were not born in Ireland? You were not born in Ireland. Will you raise your hand wherever you are? Wherever you are. Do you know what you would be described as officially? You would not be described as an immigrant. You would be described as an exile. You would be described as an exile. Yes, sir. A blow-in, absolutely. Unless you've been in Ireland a hundred years, you're still only a blow-in. Yet in many ways, you've become more Irish than the Irish themselves. When you see the Germans suddenly becoming very polite, you know things have changed. When the South Africans start softening what they want to say to you, you know things are changing. When the English weep at the playing of the national anthem, you know things are changing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about being blessed in Babylon. Today, brothers and sisters, you live in Babylon by the Lee. That's it. We're here by Babylon. This is Babylon. Babylon as a motif right throughout the Bible refers to the non-Christian or the non-God-fearing community and culture in which we live. That's what it refers to. And you live in Babylon. You live in a culture that doesn't honor necessarily or respect the things or the ways of God. That's the culture that you live in, whether you like it or not. So this morning you are in Babylon. Can I just say, good morning, I'm Michael, welcome to Babylon. Good to have you here with us this morning. Good to, by the way, if you're a visitor here this morning, never say that. If you're a visitor here this morning in Grace Christian Church, we love having visitors. And we want to give you this warm round of applause to make you feel welcome. God bless you. In all the busyness, we forgot the important stuff. I want to look this morning at the scriptures about being in Babylon. I want to look this morning at a, a biblical motif that affects all of our lives, but there's a little bit of depth in it, so I hope you brought your head to church today. Did you bring your head to church? Please say you did. Yes, bring your head, bring your heart, bring your body. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's what we are supposed to do. And that's what I want to do in this message. No, when I'm preaching this morning, I want you to think this, right? Sometimes a message will speak to an immediate situation that we're dealing with right now. Praise God for that. That's a rhema word for you right now. Sometimes a word will be a logos word. It will be something that will speak to us for our lives in the more general sense of how we live and how we live out our lives and our faith. There's another way in which God uses his word, and that is that sometimes we hear something at church, we take it away with us in our head or in our heart, and then lo and behold, we find ourselves in a conversation later that week, and somebody brings up something, and we have the chance to bring God's word to that situation. So whatever camp this message fits into for you, I pray this morning that you would have ears to hear. There are no message or sermon connoisseurs in this room. Only hungry people. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's listen to what God's word is to say. Will you, pray with, will you pray with me as we begin this morning? Father in heaven, we come this morning not as picky eaters, but hungry to hear your word. We pray you would speak to our souls. We pray your spirit would take something from what we hear this morning and apply it directly to our lives or to the lives of our loved ones, Lord. We are your people. We need the nourishment of your daily bread in our lives. Speak to us. Your servants are listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. I want to bring you one thing, a trigger warning. But I'll bring you the trigger warning in a few minutes. I get so used to trigger warnings at this stage on the telly. Uh, I want to bring you a trigger warning in a second. What is an exile? Here's what an exile. Who are the exiles? From a biblical perspective, or even currently in this perspective, in the current modernist perspective, who are the exiles? Here's a good definition of the exiles. Those who are absent from their own country by force, necessity, our choice. 
Some people are driven out of their homes and out of their countries because of upheaval and uprising in their own country or political persecution. Some move because of necessity. Normally, that's economic necessity. They simply cannot survive in their own countries or in their own situations. And some people are exiles out of choice. Some people make a decision to move to another country for maybe a better life, maybe a bit of peace. Maybe they come to Ireland for the weather. Who knows? <laughs> they move to another country for whatever reason, they move to another country and that person becomes an exile. I was an exile myself once for about a year, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. This idea of exile, or separation from where we truly belong, as it were, is right, written right through the, the Bible narrative. It starts in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. It's one of the strongest themes in the Bible. If you look at it even just in the book of Genesis alone, the number of people who are exiled is, is amazing. All of the big heroes end up somewhere in exile. Let's have a look at this. Adam and Eve are exiled from the Garden of Eden, put out of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Cain is exiled from God's presence in Genesis chapter 4. Abraham is exiled from Ur of Chaldees where he lives in Genesis chapter 12. Jacob is, is uh, exiled from from, uh, the, uh, from the land of Canaan back to where Abraham came from in Genesis chapter 27. Joseph is exiled again from the promised land of Canaan into Israel, in Gen or into Egypt in Genesis chapter 37. And finally the Israelites are all exiled into Egypt in Genesis chapter 50. An exile, a stay that would last for 400 years before God delivered them. Imagine you were sent off to another country. And you wouldn't come back for 400 years. I think this always works if you go backwards. Imagine you were sent to another country in the year 1623. And only now got to return. That was the length of the exile in Israel or in Egypt for the Israelites. And so this team works all the way through. And of course there are different types of exiles. Some people are not only physical ex exiles, but I would say this for the Christians and the people who love God, who were born here and live here and have never moved from here, you are a cultural exile. What do I mean by a cultural exile? When you become a Christian, you normally, you should, you do, accept the Christian worldview, the Bible's worldview, what the Bible says about how we should live, how we should work, how we should behave. You accept those and in the current culture, which has now become hostile to many of the biblical standards and biblical views of everything from morality to behavior to ethics, we have now become, to some degree, cultural exiles. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Is your head still switched on? Yeah. Here's the trigger warning. I'm going to put up a verse here, two verses in fact, that are actually hard reading. And they give the context for what I'm going to read afterwards. The context is this. Towards the end of their history in the land, as you're reading in the Bible, towards the end of their history, shortly before they return there are the children of Israel are actually exiled away to the city and the nation of Babylon the Babylonian Empire was the biggest empire that had ever existed the most powerful empire that had existed up to that point in history and unfortunately for them the target of the Babylonian Empire fell upon their city Jerusalem and upon their province Judah and so they were surrounded and in the end because of the way that they had abandoned God God allowed the Babylonians to take the Israelites captive and take them away 
to um, Babylon. And in the process, when you read these stories, you realize that God's word does not shy away from reality. It doesn't shy away from our sufferings or our sorrows. Au contraire, when you read the Psalms, for instance, which we will in a second, you will realize that God is actually quite comfortable with our pain in, when we speak it to him, when we say it out. God isn't intimidated by the things you're going through. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Whatever you're going through today, don't worry about it. God's not intimidated. Tell the Lord however hard it is to say tell him he's not frightened of it he's not intimidated by it but this scripture spells out what it was like for these Israelites as the last of their kings a guy called Zedekiah was carted away to Babylon trigger warning the Bible isn't just full of lambs and harps and doves it also has despots in it it also has brutal conquerors in it and this is the story of what what they did to one king this is what it says the king of Babylon made Zedekiah the king watch as he slaughtered his sons at Ribla. And then the king of Babylon also slaughtered all of the nobles of Judah in front of him. He slaughtered his own sons right in front of his eyes to teach him a lesson that Babylon was boss and you better know it. And then the crowning glory of his brutality was this. He then gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. I came for a word of encouragement this morning, Brother Michael. <laughs> and you are now giving me this. I want you to see the depth to which the people of Israel had come that leads into what we're going to look at today. What a brutal destruction of their nation, of their people, and now of their king, to have his son slaughtered in front of him, and the last thing his eyes see is the death of his sons, because then they gouge out his eyes, bind him up, and drag him off to Babylon. A huge journey, a journey of pain and suffering and of regret. And then when the Israelites get to Babylon, it's such a great time. How many people know the Boniam song by the rivers of Babylon? How many people here know that song? Do you know the one? By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, yeah, there we went, when we remembered Zion. Come on, by, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down. required of us a song but how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land by the river unless you want to be here till four o'clock because I won't stop singing I guarantee you that I won't stop singing such a beautiful song we danced with 1978 Boney if you're under the age of 50, you won't get it, but we sang, we danced. Wow, what a fantastic song. That song is straight from the Psalms. Yes. It's the song, Psalm 137. And it's, it's a translation, it's a beautiful pop version of this gorgeous Psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There, on the poplar trees, we hung our harps. There, our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy, they said... Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Go on. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. 
But how can we sing the Lord's song when in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy, by the rivers. <laughs> and then the part that nobody seems to know about this. The final stanza. Daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. By the river. <laughs> what do you have to go through to write a song that wishes your enemy's infants are dashed against the rocks? What pain, what struggle, what suffering do you have to go through to want revenge on that level? Because that's what the Babylonians did to the Israelites. So it was payback time. That's what they longed for. Happy is the one who's going to get his revenge on you. And the Lord wants to speak to you, his people, this morning. And say to some who are sitting here this morning, you are contemplating revenge. And this is what the Lord would say. If you're planning revenge, dig two graves, not one grave, because you will also die if you take your revenge. You will spiritually die. You will emotionally die. You will relationally die. That's what's going to happen to you if you take out your revenge. And revenge doesn't have to be in a raised fist or even a raised voice. It can be such a subtle thing. I'm going to get that guy back the next time I get the chance. The way he spoke about me, wait till I get the chance to sort him out. Oh yeah, it's going to be my turn soon, buddy. Don't you worry. I know that you're all Christians and you've never think like that so let's move on don't take revenge Romans chapter 12 Paul quotes as well the, the prophets where he says do not take vengeance do not take revenge it is mine to repay says the Lord leave it in my hands have you got a situation where you're suffering and struggling with injustice read the New Testament they'll say this to you leave it in God's hand he will be your justifier can I get an amen, amen. and so these people find themselves in Babylon now where's Babylon Baghdad modern day Baghdad that's where Babylon is you can't miss it and they find themselves as strangers in a strange land first of all they are physical exiles like so many of you are physical exiles here this morning. Then they are also cultural exiles. They're being dragged away into another land. And these worshippers of Bel and Nebo and the gods of the Babylonians are saying, Sing us one of your old worship songs there from back in Jerusalem. Go on, sing us a worship song. And they say, How can we sing the Lord's song here stuck in this foreign land with these pagans? How can we do that? So there were physical exiles, cultural exiles, and then also... In many senses, they were also spiritual exiles. In actual fact, the Bible teaches that we are all spiritual exiles away from God until Jesus came. And he made us right with the Father again when we accept what he has done for us on the cross. If you are a spiritual exile today, if you are away from God, the Father in heaven, today you can be restored. You can come home today to Jesus Christ. You can come home to your rightful place here today. So there were physical exiles, cultural exiles, spiritual exiles. And then there's nobody in the world, I think, other than the Jews, who understand exile quite like the Irish. Amen. This is the Irish bit now, okay? You ready for this? Because the Irish are scattered all over the world. It turns out that something like 40 million Americans claim Irish ancestry. Perhaps the most famous one of those would be this fella. Anybody recognize who this man is? This is Joseph R. Biden, the President of the United States of America. And he considers himself one of the excellent Irish. Because his great-great-great-great-grandparents both left Ireland in the early 1800s 
went to America, met in America, left from different sides of the country, met in America, family after family, right down the line. And would you believe it? Would you believe it? What they would never have expected, the day that they sailed away from Carlingford on the, on the east coast, the day that they sailed away from Ballina on the west coast, would they have ever imagined that 180 years later, their great-great-great-great-great-grandson would become the President of the United States of America? Wow! I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. And do you know what happens? He goes into our parliament, and it's called the Arachtus. It's called the Arachtus. We do that so that foreign dignitaries can't pronounce the name of our parliament properly. We just call it, it's the Irish parliament. They go, and today, President Biden spoke in the Rochtus. It's called the Rochtus, the joint houses. And he spoke, and he gets up into the podium. And this part was the part that blew me away. I have to say, it blew me away. He gets up, stands into the podium. What's the first thing he says? Ta me sawalia. Ta me sawalia. I am home. Wow, I am home, he says. I mean, your great, 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 great grandparents left, and now you come up, stand up here, and you say, I am home? Wow. But you see, there's truth in what he's saying. His people belonged here. They came from here. There's truth in what he was saying. You know, you have no idea how many people have come into church here and have experienced God's people worshipping Jesus, hearing God's word preached in the Bible in the community that we have here at Grace, and have said, I walked in the door, and straight away I knew I was home. Wow. It's unbelievable. Seriously, it's unbelievable the number of people who've said that. But let me make a point about this, about being home, or more importantly, being an exile, an Irish exile. You see, the thing about the Irish is that they are, um, they are homesick even when they're at home. That's the point. They sing songs about loneliness and loss and longing, and tears run down their cheeks. And still only our rivers run free. You do realize you live in Cork, right? Yeah, I know, I know. I had the privilege of singing the fields of Athenry here on the stage last in November. I had a request from a Canadian, a man who has Irish lineage. He said, I'd love to hear the song Fields of Athenry. So I said, I'm never man. I started out. So I got to sing the fields of Athenry. Low lie the fields of Athenry, where once we watched the small free birds fly. A song that was written and published when I was just a teenager. And when we sang it, we had tears running down our cheeks when we were kids. But what people didn't realize was, I've never even been to Athenry. It's only up the road in Galway. I've never even been there. Seriously. But we still, we're lonely even when we're at home. We're homesick for home. You've heard the story of the Irish boomerang, right? You know the Irish boomerang? You've heard? Do you know what a boomerang is? The boomerang? Boomerang, you know, is the instrument you throw in Australia, goes away and flies around and comes back and lands in your hand. The Irish boomerang, you throw it, it doesn't come back, but it sings about coming back. <laughs> Someday I'll be home with you, Mary. I'm sitting on you next to the couch. All right, all right, all right. We feel this sense. But I, I, I was once in exile myself for a short while. I was in exile in America. I went to America by choice. I wasn't forced there. I wasn't on a run from the law. I went there. I went to Bible school over there in America. Um, that's my only theological education. But I went there for a year and I was thrown out. But anyway, that's another story. So I go, I go, to, I go to Bible school. But I was over in America a couple of weeks. So it was a great excitement. You know, we were seeing the big country. We went to Long Island. We saw the boats. We kind of saw the huge cars. It was a great experience. But something was beginning to creep into me after about two, three weeks over there. 
And we arrived up where we were going to be staying until the following year, a place in New York, it doesn't matter. When I got there, I was taken to my room, said, hey, Michael, this is your, hey, Michael, this is your room. So I was put into the room in this, in this, I was going to say hotel, in this college in New York, upstate New York. So I was put into my room and I said, by the way, here's some post, some post has arrived for you. So I sit down in my room on my own and I open the post. And merciful Lord, there's a letter there from my mother. <laughs> Irishman and his mother. Mm. You can forget the Italiano. <laughs> An Irishman and his mammy. Oh boy. So I opened this letter from my mother. And as I began to read it, she was telling me the story in this letter about how she was sitting on the beach in Fennel's Bay just outside Cork here with the family and they were fishing, something we did every year as a family. We'd go fishing off the beaches and catch fish and cook them. And as she began to tell me the story, she began to talk about how much she missed me. And my heart was broken. Oh, it's the goodness. Now, I've never really, so I'm not really a sober crier, right? But that day, merciful Lord, my whole body shuddered as I sobbed, as I read this letter. My tears literally were wetting the letter in front of me. As I read these words from my mother, remember it's 1987, there was no internet, it wasn't, hi mommy, we're on FaceTime. Uh, it, was the so, it was just a letter, that was the only evidence I had. And I sobbed and I wept, and as I was sitting there, something happened, amazingly happened to me. And that was the sound of my own sobs echoed to the end of the corridor and came back in, in my door. And I could hear my own sobbing in echo coming down the corridor and next thing the guys next door come on they start knocking they say hey Mike you okay inside there is it the Holy Spirit no, no, no. have you seen an angel no, 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 no. so they came in the and they said you doing okay man I said yeah I just want to go home they got the last bit I was broken hearted some of you here have been broken hearted and you long for home too. You long for home too. I know you don't long for the weather in those lovely sunny countries you came from. I understand that. You love the rain. Let it rain. No, no. But then I'm going to look at about a letter from home as well. And the letter was written to the, to the Israelites. I said all that to say this. The letter is written to the Israelites when they're over there in Babylon. And it's written by the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has heard God's voice for his people. He's way back over in Jerusalem, so he writes a letter. Nice one, Jeremiah. You're okay. We're all stuck over here. He writes a letter. And we read the letter in Jeremiah chapter 29. It's the prophetic word. It's the vision of Jeremiah. And we're so familiar with it because it's on every plaque, on every Christian house in the world. When I went to America, the first Americans I met, they said, Hey, Michael, welcome to Ireland. Here's a plaque for you for your room. And on the plaque was this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. You have a future. Can I get an amen? amen? The problem with it is, though, they say that a text without a context is a pretext. If you just take that verse in isolation, you're setting yourself up for possible disappointment. And do you know why? Because while that's the text, here's the context. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon... 70 years from now, I will come and fulfill my promise, my good promise to bring you back to this place.
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places I have banished you to, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to this place that from which I carried you into exile. The promise is 70 years time. We want it in seven minutes time. I want my happiness now. Did somebody say just eat? <laughs> Do you ever notice that you sit down to watch the TV? You're being disciplined. The next thing somebody says, did somebody say just eat? And somebody's horsing into a burger in front of you. Going, I wish I had a burger. Because we are interested in our immediate happiness. But God is interested. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Hear me. God is interested in your ultimate happiness. Amen. Your ultimate happiness. What will truly make you happy in the long run. That's what God is interested in in your life. There are times when we get great joy. I'm a happy fellow. There's a lot of happiness in my life. I have a lot of happy times, but I know this. It will pass. But God's ultimate happy plans for me will be fulfilled and they will be brought to pass in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So here you are today, whether you're a physical exile or you are a cultural exile or a spiritual exile, this letter is written to exiles. And they had been told by prophets who were in Babylon, lads, don't worry about it, don't even unpack. You'll be grand, we're all going home by the end of the year. It was like the promises of World War I. Be all over by Christmas. We're going home, lads. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. That's what the prophets in Babylon were saying to the people. And Jeremiah writes to them and he says, Don't listen to those who tell you you're going home soon. You're going to be here for a while. I prophesied to so many of you this morning. You're going to be here for a while by God's grace. Amen. God's going to build a legacy and a dynasty here Amen. in his name, in your life Amen. and in the generations. You're going to be here a while. You're going to be here a while. And he said, and he warns, he says, don't listen. Because you know, brothers and sisters, if we don't listen to God's word, we fall prey to false prophets. The false prophets, whether the false prophets on the telly who tell you that God just wants you to be happy all the time, he doesn't. He wants you to be ultimately happy. That's the truth. That's the truth. It doesn't necessarily mean our immediate happiness all the time. Sometimes we go through things that are struggles. Let me tell you my struggle. My shoulder's killing me. I've got a sore shoulder. I've had it for months. And I'm waiting for a surgical procedure to be done with. Now, if God was super interested in my immediate happiness, I would have been healed months ago. Because God knows I've prayed and I've fasted and people have prayed for me. He said, oh, you don't have enough faith. My whole life is built on my faith. What are you talking about? Yeah. But it isn't God's purpose and God's plan. Up to, the, up to this time, what is it, 20 to 1, on this Sunday... So far I haven't been healed. God is good yet. Would anybody say amen? amen? But if not, I know this. God has purpose in the pain I'm in. Amen. God has purpose in the struggle that I'm in. Yeah. God knows what it's like. He's not shy of it. He hasn't moved yet to heal me. He may use medicine to heal me. And if he does, by God's grace, I will be delighted. But he's not always interested in our immediate happiness. Do you know what happens to parents who raise children who are interested in their immediate happiness all the time? Yeah, you know what kind of child ends up getting raised, don't you? Let's move on, brothers and sisters, because it's getting close and very uncomfortable. Anyway, let's go away. Meanwhile, back in Babylon, this is what? This is what Jeremiah says to the people. Hear the voice of God this morning. Hear the voice of God. This is what he says to them. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that carried from Jerusalem into Babylon. Build houses 
and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Hallelujah. And then he says relationally, marry and have sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. Marry and have sons and daughters. Says he to all the single people. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find ways for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. Pause. He is not saying get your sons and daughters to marry the Babylonians. That's not what he's saying. All of the Old Testament up to this point indicates that the Jews were to marry within the culture, within the spiritual heritage of the Jewish faith. So they weren't saying, hey, there goes Bobby Babylonian. He's cool and hot. I think I'll marry him. Oh, he's taking away my heart. That's not what they had in mind. What he had in mind was for the Israelites to find fellow Israelites while they were in captivity in Babylon and marry them and build the community. Are you with me? So sisters... If he doesn't love Jesus, don't love him. But not in the romantic way. Are you with me? Not in the romantic way. Brothers, if she doesn't love Jesus, don't love her. Not in the romantic way. Oh, that's very close to the bone, isn't it? It's wonder if you're warm up here. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find ways for your sons. And give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. He goes on to say this. He says, increase in number there and do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. If this city where we live prospers and becomes successful economically, socially, in whatever way you want to, we too will prosper. We will be the beneficiaries of that. And so therefore, brothers and sisters, we should be praying for our city. Can I get an amen? Amen. We should be praying for our neighbors. Can I get an amen? amen? We should be praying for our employers. Amen. Only a few amens to that one. I understand. I hate my job. I'm not going to pray for him. You should pray for your employer. Pray for the place where you work. That it will prosper. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. And that was God's purpose, you see. And so God has called you, maybe from another country, maybe from another culture, into this strange land. Let's bring it all the way back to the Babylon by the Lee here. God has called you here. And maybe this morning God is speaking to you and saying, set down roots. This is the place for you to stay. This is the place that God wants you to be at this current period of time in your life. Have you got ears to hear? Is God speaking to you? You know, because for some of you, God is going to build and build and build. Do you know why? Because God plays the long game. He plays the long game. We're interested in the short game. I'm unhappy, no. I'm suffering, no. I'm in difficulty, no. Yes, God is interested in that. He sees our every moment. But he's interested in our long life. He plays the long game in our lives. That's what he's doing. He plays the long game in our culture. He plays the long game in our history. Let me tell you this, wherever you've come from, from all over the world, or whether you are just born and raised here in Cork, or you're just a local guy who's done good, this is what the American Christian writer Sarah Zalistra says. She says, your address is your assignment. Where you are, that's the job that God has called you to do. That's the people that God has called you to reach. Just like Charles and just like Colin did, they don't sail across the ocean to find a boat over there. They wait for the boats to come in and they reach them right there because their address is their assignment. It's the same for you, that you would reach the people that live around you, that you would serve God in your context, in your situation, in your setting. Are you with me? I'm going to bring it to a close and I'll tell you why. Why is God, why is this? Because God is interested, like I said, in the long game. 
God wants to bless not only your life, but he wants to bless the life of your descendants. Until someday, like Irina down there, hey Irina, you will have great-grandchildren that are blessed and live in the presence of God. That's what God is interested in. Here he writes it in Deuteronomy. It says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is a faithful God who, uh, who for a thousand generations, how many generations? A thousand. a thousand generations keeps his promise and constantly loves those who obey him and obey his commands. Maybe the band will come up. We're going to sing and we're going to pray for a second. I'm going to ask you this morning, wherever you're at, would you ask God, would you be willing to be used by God in this culture, in this setting, at this time? I'm going to pray this morning that God will prosper you in the place that he has called you to be, in the place that he's called you to live, and that God would use you for his purposes and his plans in this time. Is that okay? Other people were born in other places and other times. You're in this place and this time. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray and we're going to sing. We're going to sing and we're going to pray. Got one more verse I want to look at just before we do. Just before we do. We're going to pray for that in a second. But one more verse. As you read in the Gospels, Jesus is telling the story in Luke's Gospel. And it's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. He tells the story of the lost son. He tells three parables about lost things. A lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And in the third of those, he tells the story of a son who is in physical exile. He's moved away to a far place. He's in cultural exile. He's living a lifestyle that does not agree with the biblical method. And he's in spiritual exile. He's away from God. He's away from family. He's away from home. And he's away from his faith. But it says that that man came to his senses and he began to head home. And as he headed home, there was somebody waiting to see him. There was somebody waiting to see him. And as he makes his way home, he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad. And Jesus, as he tells the story, says this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him and kissed him and kissed him and kissed him. He was so glad to see the son come back. If you're here this morning and you are in spiritual exile, the Father is looking out for you. He wants to throw his arms around you this morning. Your heavenly Father wants to throw his arms around you this morning. I also want to pray, lastly, for those who are here today and you, are, you have a relational or an emotional exile in your life. Somebody that you've been separated from emotionally or relationally because of bad blood, bad experience, bad interactions. But you want to say today, Lord, would you restore this person? Would you take this relationship and bring this person out of exile in my life and use me to do that? We're going to pray that as well in a second. Are we okay with that? Are we all right to pray that? But before we sing our song, I'm just going to ask if there's anyone here, let's close our eyes just for a moment. Just close our eyes just for a moment. I'm nearly finished, guys, I promise. Does anyone here this morning? And you realize that you're in spiritual exile. You have been away from the Father, away from the Father's home. You may have never, ever been a Christian. You may never have known Jesus Christ in your life. Or you may have known him in the past. And you are one today. You want to say, Lord, I want to come home to you. I want to come home to my spiritual home. If that's your prayer today, with every eye closed, on the stage and off the stage, wherever you are in the room, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand so that I can see you. I see your hands. 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 I see your hands and yours. I see your two hands. I see your hand. I see nine hands raised. Ten hands, maybe ten hands raised in the room. Praise God. I'm going to ask that we pray together a very simple prayer and then we'll do our closing prayers together. Is that okay, brothers and sisters? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I want to come home. 
to make my home with you. Will you forgive my sin? Will you take me in? Will you cleanse me? Make me new. Take up residence in my life. And stay there. Take my hand today. Take, and for all the days of my life. And lead me from today. Forever. In Jesus name. And God's people said. Can we give a round of applause for those people. Those 11. We're going to sing a verse of a song, and then even when I don't see it, you're walking, and then we're going to do a final prayer. Even when I don't see it, you're walking. Let's sing. Let's praise God. Even. relational or an emotional exile or a spiritual exile in your life and you want to bring that person and that situation before the Lord this morning and ask God to move in that situation in that person's life would you raise your hand wherever you are in the room I'm going to invite you just for one moment to come to the front of the room so that we can make this real and make these prayers real before God before the Lord by placing that situation or that person in your hands and raising them up before God. Whether you're here at the front or whether you're down there in the room, I'm going to ask if you're down in the room just, and it doesn't affect you, would you just extend a hand forward towards my brothers and sisters here at the front? Lord Jesus Christ, we bring these situations before you, Lord. We bring this relational exile, this emotional exile before you, Lord. There may be many in our lives, Lord. We bring them before you this morning, Lord. We ask you first, God, would you bless them? Can I get an amen? Amen. Lord, would you favor them? Can I get an amen? Lord, would you speak to them? Can I get an amen? And Lord, we pray that you would use us. Give us the wisdom, the will, and the words to say. Give us the words to pray, Lord. Show us the route that we should take to restore the spiritual and relational exile in our lives, Lord. Lord, whether it's a partner or a parent, a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister, even if it's a workmate or a fellow college student, Lord, whatever the circumstances, Lord, we pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would go to work on their hearts and on ours, Lord, and on ours. Lord, the person who you deal with most is the one who says, your will be done. 
your kingdom come in our lives, Lord. We pray for these people. We pray for these situations, Lord, that your healing power would be brought in them, Lord, and that they would be changed, and the hearts would be changed, and minds would be changed, and lives would be transformed, Lord. We pray for those spiritual exiles, Lord, that they would come home in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that they would be called home, Lord, that they would no longer stay away from you, no longer stay away from us, Lord. But Lord, we would reconnect on a deep level, on a life-transforming, life-changing level. Give us wisdom, give us words, and give us the will, Lord, to do your work, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we ask you that you would use us. Can I get an amen? Wherever you are in the room, when you raise your hands? I ask you, Lord, that you would use us wherever we stand, wherever we work, wherever we live, wherever we play, wherever we pray, will you use us, Lord, for the advancement and purposes of your kingdom, Lord. May we truly be witnesses of you, Lord, people who speak up for your name and for your purposes and for your plans. Hallelujah. 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 For some of you here today, I just believe, just before we close, I believe the Lord would say this. What you thought was a diversion in your life, whether it was coming here in Ireland, or getting a job that you didn't expect to get, or what you thought was a door that opened that you didn't expect to happen, what you thought was a diversion in your life is actually God's direction. It is God's plan and purpose being worked out unbeknownst to you. And the Lord would remind you, he is the one who holds the key of David. David, what he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no man can open. And so we look to him to have his way and to work out all of his perfect plans. I thank you, Lord, for all of us who are assembled here today. Look around you for a second. Look at this band of exiles up here, just before you do. This is Attila, he's from Hungary, came in 2007. This is Theodore, he's from Nigeria. This is Matteo, he's from Brazil. This is Steve, a Cartman born and bred. No, he's not, he's from India. This is Andre from Brazil. This is Anjali, she is from India. This is Emmanuel, born and bred in Ireland. Can I get an name? This is the new Irish. We're standing here, brothers and sisters. Theodore, may generation after generation of your sons and daughters be blessed and honored and follow Jesus in the way that Emmanuel does. In Jesus' name. Look around you. We are exiles, brothers and sisters. But we are God's people. Let's finally pray for his blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name. And for the last time, God's people say, Amen. Amen.